Hi, welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with me today is, uh, well, one of our favorite guests, Joe Walsh, not the guitar player, although he could play guitar. We, we've talked about that before. <laughs> Former congressman and now a resident of the D.C. area, Sunny River City. Uh, Joe, welcome back to the uh, podcast. Thanks for being here today. Ryan, I'm a groupie of yours. It's good to be with you. <laughs> Thanks. We're going we're gonna to take a short break while we, uh, we pay the bills. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a few things that you've talked about recently in the press. So stick with us. It's Just Ask the Question. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. Again, that's at JATQ Podcast. Hi, welcome back. It's Just Asked the Question. I am your host, Brian Kerman. With me is Joe Walsh. And Joe, I guess we'll just stop, you know, start by asking you this question. Recently, you said liberals don't get it, that uh, that there are people out there who really want to tear it all down. You want to explain that a little bit to us? Why do you feel that and, and, and explain exactly what you meant? Hey, They're Brian, I, I, don't, I, I don't think they get it. And look, uh, my former political party is probably going to take back the House this year, probably take back the Senate. A guy I served with who's an absolute tool, Kevin McCarthy, is probably going to be the next Speaker of the House. And that's all because Democrats don't understand that our fucking democracy hangs by a thread. If they understood that sufficiently, Brian, they'd get out and vote this year. But too damn many Democrats are not going to come out and vote this year. And I tell you, Brian, I, I talk to Republicans every day, and they are like, ready to run through walls to vote this year. I wish Democrats had that same mentality. I do. Well, let's, let's break that down a little bit, that statement. So the tool, let's start with your tool, <laughs> McCarthy. <laughs> what is so toolish about McCarthy? He has, Brian, I, I, I served with the guy. He has no core. He's like a hollow man. He can't talk about policy. He has no political philosophy. All he talks about and thinks about is the acquisition of power. Not unlike a lot of Republicans, the guy would literally drive over his mother to become speaker, but he couldn't sit here and talk healthcare policy to you and I, because he doesn't believe in anything. From the moment he got there, all he wanted to do was move up. And he's good at it. So he'll hug Marjorie Taylor Greene to become speaker. Well, and to your point, I have asked him questions about, <laughs> about <laughs> policy, and I've never gotten a, a decent answer. It seems like the Republican Party has no policy. It's just that they're against whatever the Democrats want. And they're, and they're in support of whatever their leader wants. Uh, Brian, you know power. better than I, man. What, 2020, two years ago, the, uh, the Republican Party, for the first time in the party's history, had no platform uh, where you are on issues. It was just, we support the re-election of Donald Trump. They, they don't stand for anything. And also uh, to break down your statement a little bit more, you think that the Democrats won't get out and vote or do you think it's that they're too conflicted among their big tent to get the vote out? I mean, what do you, it, to break that down a little more? I, I don't believe, look, look, Brian, and disagree with me, but 81 people two years ago voted for Biden. I voted for Biden. I don't think 81 million people voted for Biden because they love Joe Biden. They were scared out of their pants about Donald Trump. 
Yes. And that drove them to the polls. I don't hear that. And why was that? Because Trump is an existential threat to this country. I don't hear the same. That's where urgency. I disagree. I don't think he's an existential threat. I think he's an actual literal threat to the country. Thank you. Thank you know, you. I stand correct. Yeah, that's that's the only way, only place I'll disagree with you there. I do agree that it, there are people that weren't Joe Biden fans that, that came out to vote for Joe Biden just because of the actual little literal threat that Trump represented. The question is, do they understand that the threat is still there in 2022? And you don't think they do? They don't, Brian. And they don't understand that the, the threat, thank you, the real threat has metastasized beyond Trump. If Trump died tomorrow, this party, Trumpism, rules the party. So Trump may not be on the ballot in 2022, but, but every one of these Republicans who bow at his feet are on the ballot, and they're going to push Trumpism if they take over the House. It's the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean, he actually renamed the Republican Party in a couple of his uh, brief, uh, I'm sorry, his press releases that he sent out, and he basically calls it the MAGA Party. Yes. And he doesn't call it the Republican Party. True Republicans, uh, I haven't have left. seen. Yes. True Are Republicans there... like me left two years ago, or they're like my friend Adam Kinzinger. And privately, Adam knows he has no place in this party. Or uh, Michael Steele. Or Michael Steele. Well, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I love Michael Steele. He's still a Republican. He's yeah. kind of hanging in there. And there are some good people like Michael who still believe the party can be saved. Bullshit, I said to Michael. This party cannot be saved. So what do you recommend as the solution? Well, you and I are a couple of old white farts, so we're not going to be around a whole <laughs> hell of a lot. But, but Thanks and for and aging no, us. <laughs> Brian, I love you, but you've been, in, you've been in the trenches now for so long, so you're yes. going to roll your, you will roll your eyes at what I'm about to say. But I think we're at one of those inflection points rare in American history where this two-party thing is breaking up. I think within the next eight to 10 years, there is going to be a new political party, a, a viable new alternative to the shrinking Republican Party. Do you think that you said, when you said two-party system, do you think there'll be more than one party? Do you think that this inflection, or as they like the, as, uh, you know, uh, I guess political science like to call it the watershed events. Do you think these waters, this watershed event that we're at now will lead to more than one party or just a party to replace the Republican Party? I think it will lead to a, a third major political party. Brian, and again, you and I may disagree. Uh, as a former Republican, I've said often, I think the Republican Party is dying as a national party which sounds weird because they'll probably take over the house next year, but they're becoming like a, a real strong rural regional party. Most Americans yes. are center right or center left, and they don't have a home right now. The Democrat party has their issues. So I think you're going to see a, a major party, a new third party that will occupy the middle. That's uh, uh, no, I don't disagree with you. I've said similar things myself over the last few years, but when we speak about the rural Republican, you know, when you talk about what's left of the Republican Party, you're talking about my in-laws who live <laughs> in rural Missouri on farms and who uh, what's frightening and you, you can maybe confirm this or, or disagree with it, but I find that a good majority of them, or at least the ones that I speak with, are um, also QAnon and conspiracy theorists and supporters. Um, who are convinced that, you know, there's baby slave trafficking in the basement of a pizzeria, a basement that doesn't exist, and, you know, that you know, children's blood is being drank by the lizard aliens that control the government. I get a lot of that um, yeah. when, when I yeah. talk to, you know, my in-laws, and I wonder what part of the Cal they've been smoking, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but is, is that your understanding as well, that, that what's left of the Republican Party is really an amalgamation of those people and Trump supporters? Yeah, the base is radicalized. Uh, Brian, you and I have talked before. I'm a weird guy in that I'm the only never-Trumper I know who 
came from that radicalized base. Yes. Remember, I voted. I voted for Trump in 2016. I was on right wing <clears throat> talk radio. I was the crazy Tea Party guy. So I come from that world. I left that world, but I still talk to that world, people in that world every day. And the, the GOP base is fully radicalized. What does that mean? They don't believe in the truth. They don't believe Biden won. They don't believe COVID's real. And they don't believe January 6th was a bad thing. That's where most of them are. Yeah. And I, I've, and when I tell them I was there and I watched people get punched and beaten. And when I tell them that, you know, how can, and I ask, here's the question I ask, and maybe, you know, the answer <laughs> because you're, you're rational and cogent, but I'll ask them if you don't believe COVID is real, then how come you're the, you support the guy who said he created a vaccine for something that wasn't real, but you don't think you have to take the vaccine. It seems to me a little contradictory and in, in thought process, but I never they have no answer. answer. They yeah. have no answer. Well, or they'll, they'll say that, uh, you know, it's a free speech issue. Joe Rogan shouldn't be canceled by Spotify, but by the way, we need to burn books. I mean, I, those are two, uh, two thoughts. They do a, a Brian, they do what people like Tucker Carlson and Hannity do every night. They deflect and they distract period. Yeah. And, and lie. Well, and lie. I, 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 I think they spread misinformation. I think Hannity and Tucker Carlson are the masters of disinformation. They disinformation. purposely do it and they know it. The other people are just, it, they're a reflecting pool of that information. Wow, but I, I, I need to make one correction, my friend. Sure. Tucker Carlson, Tucker spreads dis, disinformation because yes. he knows it. Hannity's a fucking idiot. For, oh, for oh. all we know, it, it may be misinformation with Hannity, but you're right. Tucker knows. <laughs> Yeah, he used to be on CNN, wore a bow tie, was a nut. <laughs> so before we, before we go to our first break, here's the big question to ask you then. If, if politics as it is, and you said, look, they'll be violent, that they'll, you, you, you think that, that to support that movement, that they will become violent. A, what do you mean by that? And B, how do you, how do you solve that problem? Uh, it's what we have to live with now. So if you have the base of one of our two major political parties that is fully radicalized, well, radicalization can and will lead to violence. I was, you probably weren't either. I was not at all surprised by January 6th. I had heard this shit building up to it. Um, I still hear that kind of shit every day from these people. So we have to, as a country, wrap our arms around the fact that this will always be a there'll always be a threat of violence associated with it. How do you down? How do you diffuse some of that threat? Can you? It, Brian, it's interesting. So I I engage with these people every day and every week, and really every week I'm able to help a few of them leave the cult, but most of them are unreachable. Most of them will never reach. I, so I I think we've. We've got to try to convert the ones we can, but then we just have to beat them at the polls and the country needs to be vigilant when it comes to law and order. Gee, that was Thomas Jefferson said, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. Yes, <clears throat> thank you. Thank maybe, you. Maybe we should remember that. There, there's a concept. <laughs> hey, there's a concept. But so- Yes. What you- to, were, to, to support what- Franklin said this republic if we if we can keep it yeah and I, and I really believe that Brian and it goes back to where you started our talk today I really truly believe our republic hangs in the wind right now that that motivates me to keep doing what I'm doing every day I wish the me rest too. of the country felt that well I get upset with members of the press who still don't get it and believe that or members of the Biden administration who think we beat them, they're done. And I go, no, no, you, you, you won a battle, you didn't win a war. <clears throat> it's not over. But, but Brian, I'd ask you a question and I love to follow you and you're a great journalist, a great reporter, but is it your job to be an activist and try to no. wake up voters? Well, it's my job to inform voters through Thank reporting. You. And as an, if you write an opinion writer, if you're an opinion writer, an editorial yes. writer, and it's clearly labeled as such, then yes, you can. It's not activism; it's it's an opinion to, to hopefully 
try to get people to see a a point of view that they haven't seen before, but I'm not an activist. And um, that's, that's a different thing entirely. I'm not, I'm not joining the protest. I'm covering the protest. I, and that's the role that we have to play as reporters that we, I, I think we don't play very well. I don't think that, I think some reporters are activists. Some reporters are opinion uh, offers opinion when they claim to be offering news, which gives Hannity and uh, Tucker Carlson and those people a door with which that's open, which which they can march through and become what they become. And by so, the way, you excluding mm-hmm. you, too damn many reporters the last five years did a shitty job of normalizing Trump. Yes, I agree. And th- and that was, you know, I got accused of being, but look, that wasn't being an activist. It was like saying, no, there's, th- this is right. And this is, and this is not, this, this is what's yeah. actually happening. And there were those who did it very well. And there, and, and thanks for including me in that bunch. And there are those who did it very poorly. Right. And uh, because they thought that our job was merely to be stenographers, <clears throat> take notes and report back what someone says. But it yeah. was it was Sam Donaldson who said, look, it's the administration's job to put its best foot forward. It's our job to find out the truth. So bingo, we don't bingo. we don't. And, and sometimes if presenting the truth appears to be an opinion, you have to back up that truth with facts. And, and that's not what we've done very well. I've, I've had reporters that work for me who will come up to me and go, well, this is what I think. And I go, I, I don't care what you think. I barely care what I think. What, what do you know? What, where are the Thank facts? You. Give me the facts. You're and, old school, Brian. You're old school. <laughs> yeah, I've been accused of that lately. The book's <laughs> called Free the Press. <laughs> Thanks for setting that up. <laughs> we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're, we're going to continue the conversation with our old friend Joe Walsh as he tries to make the world safe for democracy, along with the rest of us. So stick around. We'll be right back. <laughs> Coming back in uh, three two, one. Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And with us is former congressman from the wonderful, the, so who you still an Illini fan? You know, it's funny, Brian, I grew up uh, a big 10 fan and I always ah. loved Michigan. I grew up with those Michigan, Ohio state, Bo Schembechler, Woody Hayes battles. No kidding. Football. Yeah. Loved. And so, uh, but you, but you represented which district? I represented the eighth district of Illinois, which yeah. was kind of like the su- suburbs of Chicago. You know Chicago well. Yes, I do, having lived there. It, but that's that's not Beauchamp Beckler uh, territory at no, all. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> or Woody Hayes, for that matter. <laughs> but back. Back, Brian, when the Big Ten could play college football. Now it's all the SEC, all those Southern schools. Don't get me started. Don't I get know. me. I, I know. I, I'm a Louisville fan, and the SEC is anathema to me. But that's <laughs> except for I have a couple of friends who played on, you know, like Rex Chapman. I, I love Rex. But Rex. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but no. uh, I was not a Kentucky fan. But nope. uh, getting back to what we were talking, we could talk sports all day long. Uh, getting back to what we were talking about. <laughs> Um, is there any, you, there are a lot of people that are painting a gloom and doom picture for the midterm elections, uh, and for a variety of reasons. Do you think that if the voters turn out and the numbers turn out for Democrats that, um, in fact, will, they'll be able to overturn that? Or do you think that, um, that over, I'm sorry, do you think they'll be able to overturn the Republicans or do you think that that won't happen? Um, Something pretty dramatic and, uh, needs to on, happen. Hold on, let yeah. me just hold. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve.
So the question, let me let me rephrase that question. So basically, do you think it's possible to keep the the wolves at bay in 2022, or do you feel like it's uh, this year in the midterms, or do you think that the Republicans have uh, an inside track? Uh, look, it's possible, uh, Brian, but I think it's pretty unlikely. Uh, I, I just something dramatic would have to happen, and I don't see Democrats. I don't see everybody who got off their ass in 20 to vote. I don't see them all getting off their ass in 22. History tells us they won't. Um, and, yeah, and right true. now, the Democratic Party and base is kind of demoralized. That tells us they won't. Um, something pretty big has got to happen. Now, and the other thing is the House is so gerrymandered that even though the Republicans, I believe, are dying as a national party, They'll never win the popular vote again in your and my lifetime. They're still strong in some of these red districts. So there'd have to be a serious change. I'm a dark Irishman, Brian. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I think things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. Well, uh, uh, <clears throat> all right, I'll take a drink with you on that one if you're the Irishman, but uh, <laughs> I, I understand gerrymandered districts, and of course that explains Jim Jordan and Bobert and and uh, both sides do it. Oh, no kidding! That don't, don't get me started there. But uh, I, that that explains the far sides of each party, the the extremes of of each party. But do you think that the, the, what's going on with Donald Trump and um, recently, and the fact that he once again may face? Uh, some kind of charges has anything to do with it or, or, or could affect the outcome? Or do you think that Donald Trump will slip the noose again? I think, I think all this legal shit and all the trouble Trump is deservedly in, I think it is only going to fire up again, the Republican base. And I don't think that the democratic base really cares that much about it. So weirdly, all of Trump's legal troubles, I think, will help Republicans this fall. I think the only way the Democrats can succeed is if they focus on this threat to democracy. I, I mean, Brian, I wish, and, and Joe Biden can't talk this way. I like Joe Biden, but he's an, almost an 80-year-old guy. He can't convey this sense of urgency. I wish there were Democratic elected officials who could sound like you and I do when it comes to democracy hanging by a thread. Would you ever run as a Democrat? You know, it's funny. I, I've thought about it. I've been asked. I've been approached. And you know, Brian, many of us never Trumpers who left the Republican Party joined the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, I just have always figured I'm too conservative for the Democratic Party. I don't think they'd want somebody like me. You, you never heard of a yellow dog Democrat then, have you? <laughs> oh, I'd be the I'd be the most yellow dog you, you'd have. <laughs> I mean, it, have you met Joe Manchin? <laughs> well, but but to, no, to that to your point, Brian. That's a great point. Right now, the Democratic Party would love to throw Manchin and Kirsten Cinema out of the party. Now, no matter what you think about what they're doing, they're Democrats. Does the Democratic Party want to be a big fucking tent or not? Yeah, well, the, I, I got a kick out of uh, <laughs> out of someone saying that the Republicans were a big tent, <clears throat> and I go, "That's they're a big, a they're tent. a big empty tent." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if if you think the way they do, then you're in. And the Democrats are in danger of becoming that as well. They are a big tent with a lot of, I mean, you've got progressives, conservatives, liberals, middle of the road, but you're right. The middle of the road in this country has been left completely unattended to while the far left and the far right suck up the money and, the, and, and more importantly, all the airtime. Well, and you know what, Brian, that's a shame because because the Republican Party is shrinking, and I believe dying, Joe Biden, when he got elected, had a great opportunity to, to lead, I think, a major political realignment and greatly expand the Democratic Party. And I wish the Democrats had, from the beginning, Biden, 
uh, just focused on COVID and focused on infrastructure and all this other build back better and all that other stuff put off. The Democrats needed to think long term. We're going to do infrastructure and COVID. That's all we're going to focus on for two years, right? We're going to grow the party. And then after we succeed in 22, we're going to keep growing the party and get some of the things the progressives wanted. But man, they, they, they screwed up and they tried to get voting rights and they tried to get all this other stuff, jam it in right now, and they turned off people in the middle. Yeah, and they always do that. One is, as I've always said, one is a party of no heart and one is a party of no head. And the Democrats have no head for the fight and, and the Republicans have no heart for America. Hey, Brian, I love that you said that and you and I grew up with that. You're right, but it's gotten worse than that. It's like the Democrats can be stupid and wrong on a lot of stuff, but the Republicans right now are like evil, but the Republicans are anti, I mean, anti-democracy. Yeah, with, uh, and, and I don't think that there's any way you can see it any other way. Every move that they make is, is and, and to your point about bipartisanship, the, the greatest bipartisan event I've seen, I think in my professional lifetime, was on the South Lawn of the White House after the infrastructure bill was signed. There were Republicans and Democrats together, and you, it looked like there was a moment that you could seize upon. And instead, we're left with build back better. Uh, we're, we're, well, the you know Eastern Europe thing that we're going through, but and COVID has, have overcome the one real issue of bipartisanship that I've seen in many years. And it seems to me that the, the Democrats don't tout that and don't try to encourage more of it and don't work for that. And at the same time, I think they're completely lost in trying to uh, form a message that will be sellable to the electorate in, in the midterms. I and Brian, I, I think that they were they they were just stupid. They went when Biden won, they should have thought they should have played the long game. My God, it's a 50-50 Senate. You're not going to get all of this crap you want in two years. You have an opportunity, Democrats, with this shrinking political party over here, the Republicans, you have an opportunity to double the size of your party uh, yeah. if you take the long game and go at what you want to do cycle by cycle. And, and, if, and if, Brian, you're right, that time on the lawn with Republicans and Democrats infrastructure, that, that could have been the cherry on top of Biden's first two years. And as we all know, you know, well, as we should know, and you do know, know if you know politics at all, is that the, uh, an incoming president has basically an 18-month window in which yeah. to operate That's before it. The, 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 before, yeah, the midterms. And then after the midterms, there's a lot of early jockeying for position for the next presidential yeah. race. So you yeah. don't have a lot of time to operate. And the fact that you got a bipartisan infrastructure deal in place, I would be talking about nothing but that. And also, so I fault the Democrats, they don't build their bench strength very well at all. And then they don't, they don't sell their message very well at all. The one thing about Trump is that during his time in office, every day there was someone from his administration, if he wasn't talking, someone from his administration was out at the sticks. They were on TV. They would talk to reporters. They'd bitch and call us, you know, the enemy of the people and say it was all our fault as they continued to talk to us trying to sell their, their, their wares. But the, the Democrats don't do any of that. They, um, and they don't have... There, what I am concerned about for the Democrats is what you pointed out about the Republicans being a, 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 a regional party. It's down at that regional state and local level where they're going to be able to screw with the voting process that is the Democrats, I don't think, understand that. I was on MSNBC a couple nights ago, Brian, and that's what we talked about. And the Democrats don't realize that like they think these Republicans in Washington, D.C. are crazy. Uh, they ain't seen crazy until they've seen Republicans at the state and local level. And right now, if Democrats don't wake up, we're going to have 30 or so Marjorie Taylor Greens as new secretaries of states. 
uh, in about 20 to 30 states managing and running their state's elections. Republicans are focused on these races and they're, they're gonna elect people like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene to oversee the elections. That's scary. Well, and, and that does not bode well for the 2020, doesn't bode well for the general in 2024 either. But it, is right. there, it, it, when you talk about that, when you, when you point that out, are you able to talk to Democrats and do they understand it or, or not? Because I, don't, I haven't had any success and getting them to understand what that that's going on. They, 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 they don't, they don't. It's, it's, it's the weird, and maybe part of it is, Brian, that the Democrats tend to be the party of Washington, D.C., of a bigger federal government. But Republicans, I mean, it's my party. It's been this way forever. Republicans have always been involved in these state and local races. And Democrats don't get it. And they think they've got to go to Washington for a solution or an answer. And in the meantime, Republicans are electing crazy people to be secretaries of state and other local offices. And that's where there's real impact. Yeah, I had, uh, had someone tell me the other day that, the, that once the 2020, 2022 election is over, that the Republicans are going to outlaw many of the things that Democrats like when it comes to voting. And I'm going, wait, well, wait a minute. What do you mean, Al? How do you, how, are you just going to pass a fiat? You're going to rule by fiat? I mean, you still have to vote, right? In your city council or your state house. And I was told that won't be a problem, that uh, voters' rights will disappear. Well, in, in yeah, no, in, in many of the states, you know, per the constitution or state law dictates voting procedures. But Brian, in many states, the secretaries of state, they've got great latitude. I mean, yes. look, look, in 2020, we were in the middle of a pandemic. So a number of states expanded the ability to vote, mail-in voting and the like, universal mail-in voting to allow people to vote in the middle of a pandemic. Republicans want to take a lot of this shit away and, and they can do it without legislation in a lot of these states. They'll do it via the Secretary of State. Yes. And or, and or, and or governors can sign local executive orders. That just blows. <laughs> what, so if you had three, uh, give me three ways that you think you can make a difference coming into 2022. And we'll take one of them right away that I know we both agree on voting, get out and vote. What other ways do you think that the, the average voter can make a difference to, so that it isn't overcome by, you know, fascists this year? That's such a hard question, Brian, because Republicans have been, have been in this, playing this state and local stuff for a long time. So Democrats are really behind the eight ball. Uh, they need good candidates to run for uh, Secretary of State and some of these other local offices. They need to. They need to. to, to uh, it's almost like beyond voting, they've got to get other people out voting. Um, it, it may be too late to even put up good candidates uh, because they're Democrats lack such awareness of some of these state and local offices. Uh, it's yeah. That's why I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. You had said that. Well, there's some who say that the Republican resistance to Trump rings hollow. Uh, <laughs> you agree? What resistance? <laughs> or pardon me, Brian. I know this is a family show, but what fucking resistance? <laughs> I, I, this is hey, look. We say fucking in my family all the time. We occasionally <laughs> even do it, but. This <laughs> It's I, I look so many people want to believe that the party is moving beyond Trump. And, and, you know, Brian, privately, a lot of my former colleagues privately want to believe it. Mitch McConnell, look what he's doing. Oh, who cares? Mitch McConnell has no clue as to the base of the party. No, no, no. If Trump decides tomorrow he's running for president. No Republican will challenge him. None. It's his. That could change in a year, but I don't see it changing. You think he'll run? I think he really wants to run. 
I think he really wants to bilk us for everything he can. I don't know. Michael Cohen isn't convinced his, his former fixer isn't convinced that he will run. And I'm only well, I think Brian, I think he wants to be president again to be able to say, fuck you to everybody. But you know, you and Michael Cohen know him better than I do. I don't think he wants to lose again. I, I don't think he wants to expose himself to that type of derision again. I don't think he wants to go through the, all that. I think he would much rather be a kingmaker and take as much money as possible. I can't tell you. And I beg, and I mean, I beg, I have written several times to take me off your damn email list because he walked out of the White House and took, <clears throat> among all the other things that he took, he took the email list of all the reporters. Yeah. So there are, I get from him and his minions, 10 to 20 emails a day. He wants to sell me an autographed football. He wants to sell me a calendar. He wants to sell me a photo of himself. He has glasses. He's got MAGA hats. He's got shirts and underwear and t-shirts and Christmas <laughs> trees and ornaments and Valentine's cards. And, and uh, I mean, he'd sell hey, me Brian. underwear. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Did you buy the underwear? <laughs> Come on, be honest. <laughs> No, I have enough grease rags already. <laughs> if I need to change oil, I already got the grease rags I need. But <laughs> for those of you who don't understand, when you change your oil, occasionally it gets greasy. That's <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, he's just trying to run up uh, as, and people are. What fascinates me is how gullible. I I I know that there are some people that are gullible. But I had no idea that mil many millions of people were gullible. I mean, at, at one point in time, you, you walked away. What, what, what opened your eyes and said, hey, this guy's a nut. I got to get out of here. I just, uh, again, I, I started paying attention to him and I realized. Uh, so, yeah, it was yeah. easy for me to walk away. But, yeah. you know, no, Brian, look, we all say it. What is a cult? What is a cult? It is yeah. a cult. Um, it is a cult and you we're talking about, you know, middle-aged and older white people who have felt under attack for years. Along came this guy who said, I will save you. And they clung to him and they ain't letting go. Well, I don't know if they needed saving, but, but if you believe that, if you believe he's saving you, that's one thing, but why would you give him so much of your own hard earned money for a calendar or a picture or a football or a t-shirt or a van? You know why? I don't, no, you know I, why? no I don't know why. Because your cult leader asked for it. Mm. And generally you do what he asks for. Uh, these are people who felt ignored for years. These are people who felt like you, people like you, Brian, were looking down on them. The DC media, the New York elites, uh, CNN and all the rest. And along came Trump and said, I'm going to bring back Christmas. I'm going to, I'm going to build a wall and keep brown people out. I'll bring your coal jobs back. I'll make you, I'll bring back 1953 America. That's what he promised. And they want it back. Well, 1953 America included tail gunner Joe. So that tells you exactly why I don't <laughs> want it back. <laughs> Although it was the beginning of rock and roll and I could take that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You want to bring back good old rock and roll. Uh, but it, it's never really gone anywhere. It's just age. Right. I, I find it funny that uh, people get, uh, got upset about the, um, the halftime show of the Super Bowl. And look, if you didn't like it, turn it off. It, it, it wasn't politics, but the, the, some of the, the arguments against it was, oh, bring back the good old music. I'm going, Jesus, that's what our parents told us. <laughs> bring back Tommy Dorsey to hell with it. You know, the stones and, and, and I, you know, and I, I watched it and liked it. And, and so now I'm going, I don't know what the hell's wrong. <laughs> if to me, no, was they, they weren't kids. Snoop yeah. Dogg's not a kid. Dre's I know. Not a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going, Jesus, it's not like, yeah, they had 18 or 20 year olds out there. I mean, the, <laughs> I like the other headline that said Snoop Dogg got high before the, the, um, oh my God. And I'm going, well, is any, hello, first of all, it's legal in, in LA. I, I can walk with my kids into a, a 7 Eleven like store and hell, they even have drive through weed service. But more yeah. importantly, for all of those who are, def who are upset about that, have they ever met Willie Nelson? 
Yeah. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Willie would have been high before, during, and after. So I really don't get it. So I, 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 but I, the right, Brian, the right, the right wingers who got upset about the Super Bowl halftime show, they don't care what you and I think. They were talking to their audience, these older white folk who they knew would, would be upset about it. But it's the hypocrisy of it that is, it, look, if you feel that, people shouldn't smoke weed fine i i understand that but how do you embrace this is so orwellian to me and it's been given to us in in, in literature and in science and in math and in history and in our literature the the contradiction of thought now obviously it it you know you wouldn't know it's orwellian if you're engaged in i don't know a, a, a book burning but uh, but nonetheless how do you approach someone and say look this you feel is okay for people that you like, but for people that you don't like, you say it's not okay. How do you how do you justify those two those two different and very dis, disparate thoughts? I don't get. Well, I, you, you can't, Brian. And I, I think of that that young the young punk and grifter Charlie Kirk who said who called it sexual anarchy. The NFL great name is for a band. Anarchy. I'm going to rename yeah. my band that sexual anarchy. sexual anarchy. <laughs> There's a guy who needs to get laid. <laughs> but I, hey, I, you know what? I, I sat and watched the Super Bowl with my 85-year-old mother-in-law and her 90-year-old partner. And my God, Brian, the whole second half, they were still shaking their head at all the crotch grabbing. Yeah. So it, it, it did piss off some older folk. And that's a big part of the Republican base. Well, and to your point about the young, uh, the, the young kid who's uh, exactly the same age as one of my children, and if he act, if my kids acted that way, uh, they'd be in deep trouble. Um, yes. that's that's just that's hypocrisy in action. Yes, that's just trying to. One of the things I think has overtaken politics is uh, going viral and getting you know tweets recognized and uh, and all of that, and just to spark a reaction to say stuff that. You may not Bingo. even mean, but you love to see the clicks. It's that's, I, I, I see that in a lot of things that they do. I don't know if that re resounds across, you know, uh, reality into people who don't spend that much time on uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or Reddit or any of that. I, I think that for those who do, it's, it's, it, it, you listen to it for a little bit. And then the cycle goes through and five minutes later, it's forgotten. But I don't know the number, Brian, I could be wrong, but like only 14% of Americans tweet. <laughs> so a, a reminder to all of us, I think, especially Democrats, because you've got a lot of liberal elite Democrats who swear by Twitter, real America out there ain't tweeting. No, and, and they're more concerned. Well, this goes to the problems in the press, but because, um, because there are problems in the press and vast news deserts across this country where there's no local journalism. Bingo. That, that then what they hear, all they're hearing is from people like, uh, and, and they're hearing from it outside of, on different platforms, not on Twitter, but they're yeah. hearing it from people that they know and people that they like and people that they admire and people that they will vote for, how screwed up it all is and how it's all the press's fault and all the liberals' fault and all the turn, you know, the never Trumpers fault and that the real hardcore Americans have to stick together. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I had a, I, I was at a um, Stuckey's in mid Missouri. There's a I name for love it. Stuckey's. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the few remaining Stuckey's in mid Missouri, or it was a Stuckey's. I think the sign's still there. It's still the same thing. Maybe they call themselves something different, but um in that world where many of, and that's mid-American, man, you can't get any yeah. more middle American. That's where, you know, you wonder why Holly is popular, but I did have one person say he doesn't listen to any of, uh, and he always, and here's a step that I recommend that everyone take. And I don't know, you may think differently, but ask when you hear someone say, well, you know, <clears throat> Trump is great in the Democrat street. Well, where'd you hear that? whatever information you get the, the next question is where did where did that come from why do you believe yeah. that and that idea of critical thinking it was refreshing to see in middle america because we're told here that that doesn't exist that people just follow but i, I maybe it's 
maybe those are the people like you were saying you can reach that, you know, and get out of the cult. But in your opinion, do people engage in critical thinking anymore? Or is it just rote return of what they've heard? Some, not most. And I think this is a problem with our politics in general. We generally, Brian, don't want to be informed. We want our beliefs confirmed. And so we go to Fox News, we go to MSNBC to hear what we believe echoed. Uh, and, and that's a real, real problem in our politics today. We're so fucking tribal. It's why, the, look, you and I probably disagree on a lot of policy. We need more of these conversations. Well, I think you can disagree on policy, but we all agree where we or we have in the past all agreed on where we wanted to go. We wanted a representative government. We wanted, you know, a majority rule. We wanted, and politics was the way we worked out our problems together. Journalism was the language we used to get us rowing in the same direction. Now we don't speak the same language and we're not rowing in the same direction. And that's frightening to me on, on many levels. And that's a product of you know, I don't know whether it's our generation of blame or not, but it's certainly we haven't done anything to, to help cure that problem. Brian, this is, I, I and I said this when I was in Congress eight years ago, way before Trump. This, we have not been this divided as a country, I believe, since right before the Civil War. Uh, I really believe this is a scary, scary fucking time. I really, really agree with you. Do you believe that we will end up in a civil war? I don't know how the country ultimately stays together. Brian, if you and I sat down at a table and we took all 50 states as they are now, if we took the United States of America as they are now, and we said, okay, create a country, I don't know that you and I would create just one country anymore. I really don't. I worry about it. And how do you see it splitting into two, three, four? What do you see? And how far down the road? I think in our kids' lifetimes, in our children's lifetimes, I think there will be major efforts at states and or regions to secede and start their own thing. I think it's a, and it's a here, you know, this, it's the huge urban rural divide. Yeah. It's not a state thing. Like I come from Illinois, Illinois is a blue state. Well, bullshit. That's because it's Chicago. Illinois is two separate states. The rest of the state is downstate red. So it's in every state, it's an urban rural divide generally. Yeah. I, I agree with you there in my home state of Kentucky, there's blue yeah. and red everywhere else which drives yeah. the Kentucky University of Kentucky fans wild because their <laughs> colors are blue and Louisville's yeah. colors are red. So you talk yeah. about a, a state that, that beats itself to death every year. It's almost yeah. comical to watch, but, That's a riot. Um, That's but a riot. yeah, there's, there's Chicago, there's Illinois, there's St. Louis and Kansas city and Columbia. And then there's Missouri there. That's And then across the vast Midwest, but I saw, and I wrote a column on this and I, I almost could see, you know, the, the Southern states from the, from, you know, from back in the Confederacy and then a Northern uh, Midwest country, a Midwest, a far West and a Northeast and an Eastern divide. Brian, Brian, it's like, you're right. And you and I would do that. It's like, it's like Europe. It's like the EU. You, you know, trying to make Europe one nation, the EU, bullshit. Spain is different than Germany, is different than the UK, is different than Italy. But I, I, you can't make Europe one country. And I don't know today that we would make America one country. Which is frightening to me on a, a number of levels. You talk about, you, you mentioned earlier, the tribalism. We all have more in common than we have differences but it's our socioeconomic divide, which makes us see, you know, yeah. differently. I, I, I maintain there's still just the haves and the have nots <clears throat> and the haves are pretty good at this, you know, running away with the dish and the spoon and leaving you with a wash rag that you got to clean the dishes <laughs> with. <laughs> 
So yeah. with that thought, we're going to take another break. We'll be right back and wrap things up. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. And we're with former congressman from Illinois, Joe Walsh, and wrapping things up here today. Joe, first of all, thanks. You're always, it's always good to talk with you. I really Brian, I love coming on with you, uh, but I apologize because the people who are listening to us, we're Debbie Downers, or I'm a Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. I, I think information is good I, either way. And, and what you're saying resonates because it, people are trying to put their finger on why I mean, and let's talk about that a little bit as we wrap up. They're trying to put their finger on why with Joe Biden in office, things haven't gotten or is perceived to be, you know, no better than when Trump was around. And in fact, we're still drifting apart. Um, What do you think Biden should do that he's not doing? Well, one point is, yeah, one one important point that too many people don't realize, Mm. Trump wasn't the cause of anything. Trump was the system. Yes. A broken broken, divided country elected a guy like Trump. So I think a lot of people then thought Trump's the problem. If we get rid of Trump, we're fine. Let's put this old man in there. Joe Biden's a nice guy. Trump wasn't the problem. There are deeper, deeper problems in our division. I do believe, though, Brian, that Biden could have done a better job of communicating and rallying and bringing people together. Joe Biden 20, 25 years ago would have done that. Yeah, I, 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 God, that's, in fact, that's almost a direct quote from a column. I, I think his biggest problem is his inability to communicate <clears throat> and his, um, yes. And yes, and the people that he has around him don't understand that. Um, and I've, and I mean, I'm talking about everyone in his communication staff, those closest to him don't get the fact that they have not effectively communicated what he's done. Brian, it's their big, it's their biggest downfall. They've done a shitty job of communicating. He's done a poor job of communicating. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, and that's gonna, we'll see how it, it plays out in the midterms, but it's not like you said, it's, it's kind of horrifyingly fascinating to see where it's going. And uh, the next six months are going to be, whoo, I can't imagine. And, And the closer we get, the more angry it will be. And um, and you're right. It's not Trump who's the who's the uh, the source of the problem. He's just. I mean, you can go back many many years for the division in this country, and um, actually to its beginning. But uh, in yes. my lifetime, the last forty or fifty years have been extremely troubling in in div- divisiveness. And so he's just sat at the table that was set by every other president before him. And so he's a uh, per, per, hey, Brian, perfectly put. I mean, think about it. Donald Trump is a horrible, horrible human being. Only a country with a very broken political system would ever elect a guy like that. Yeah. And, and our broken, horrible political. And I thought you were going to say he was a whore, whore, but <laughs> he, he said horrible. And I would have agreed with a whore too, but, but no, no, he's not a whore. Clearly he liked whores. He yeah, still probably likes whores. Yeah. You know, and, and on that, I'll tell you, there was one moment in the briefing room where I, it was uh, September 23rd when I asked him, win, lose, or draw, will you accept a, a peaceful transfer of power? And he wouldn't. He said, well, if you quit he counting wouldn't. the votes, there won't be. And I remember that, of course, but it was the question that came after when they asked him about uh, <clears throat> Meghan Markle and Harry, and he said, he looked at him and he knew exactly what she was about. And he says, Hey, good luck to him on that one. And he did, he pulled out a Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, I'm telling you, you know, yeah. oh, good luck to you. Yeah. And it was, you know, I, and I, there were times when he was funny, but it was always at the expense of other people. And, and yes, and that was, um, that particular day does 
ring and it resounded in my mind because of what he said about the election. We knew then that the um, that January 6th was on the horizon if he didn't win the way he wanted. We knew that he was going to try and overthrow the election. And he knew that he was going to try and stop counting ballots or at least get, you know, or now as we find out, you know, a whole series of other electors that he wanted to bring in. So that's, I, I, I take your point well, that what we're looking at in 2022, and I think it's only going to get, you said worse before it gets better. What do you think, is, how worse will it get? And when do you think it'll get better? I, I think the Republicans probably take back the House, they take back the Senate, uh, then they just engage in horrible, horrible political stuff the next couple of years, trying to impeach Biden for no reason, trying to investigate absolute bullshit. And the Democrats are in trouble because I think Trump's going to run again. And I don't know if Biden will run again. And if Biden doesn't run, who is going to run? Uh, I don't know of a Democrat who speaks like you again, you and I are, and only yeah. a Democrat who speaks like you and I are could defeat Trump or somebody like Trump. Yeah, it's someone who needs to be who, who can speak, who isn't tied into this unending bullshit that has become our politics. Someone who can talk plain and won't be uh, won't hesitate to call out somebody for their own, you know, for the bullshit. Yeah, and I don't know, Brian, who is that? I'm sorry, that's not Kamala Harris. That's not Pete Buttigieg. Who is that? Come on. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they yeah, need a I, fighter. They need a Brian Joe Walsh kind of a fighter. Who? Yeah. I don't they, see it. James Carville was, the, was if, you know, was a, a who said, yeah. you know, look, and he even pointed out, he said, I don't like necessarily like the Republicans. He said, but I admire their spirit because they fight. They never give up. And he said, the problem with, with uh, Democrats is we always give up. <laughs> yes. I think, and I think of a guy, and even though I, he, his politics aren't mine, Sherrod Brown from Ohio. Yeah. Uh, it, it, a, a fighter, somebody like that. Who would come out and speak. Uh, well, and somebody, here's the thing I'd like though, whoever is next, I really would appreciate if they were just younger. <laughs> <laughs> what you don't want 80 year old nancy pelosi running again come on i mean i i'm getting so damn tired of it it's just ridiculous that you know you by that time you look back in our history remember when ronald reagan was looked upon as the oldest guy ever elected 69 69 at the time yeah today he would be a mere child let's, yeah. let's find somebody yeah. in their 50s or you know Kennedy, uh, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, 42, right? And when he was, he, he was the youngest, but he was not the youngest elected. That was 43 and Kennedy, but it was because of the assassination, the death of the president before him, right? That Teddy yeah. became uh, yeah. the youngest. I, I mean, someone, Barack Obama was, was younger. Just anybody who's not, nurse, who's not a septuagenarian. That's, that's yes. all, all I want. And, and, uh, Brian, I agree. And to close, the last thing I'll say, I agree, but it's got to be somebody younger. And all the younger Democrats are like these uber progressives. It's got to be somebody younger who can speak to working class Americans right there in the middle. Yeah, if they take some of the stuff that Biden has pushed about working class and unions and, uh, and can push, push that forward, I think you're right. So we've come up with a perfect recipe for for a for a candidate. Is there anybody out there who wants to take up that mantle? That's all we're asking. <laughs> well, Joe, thanks for being with us once again. I appreciate it. I uh, love to have you back. Ryan, you're the best. Thanks, brother. Thank you, man. Take care. This is just ask the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks for joining us. Oh, and buy the book. It's just no. It's called Free the Press. And Joe, your podcast. It is white white flag with joe walsh check it out and, and it's even all of us are still on spotify we'll leave with that <laughs> and we'll talk to you later thanks in this modern age of misinformation and deceit just ask the questions newsletter cuts through the bs and gets to the truth with brian's in-depth articles columns and exclusive content not found anywhere else.
get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast.